you might think that intermittent fasting is simple, which to a certain extent it is. If you just stop eating for a while, you're definitely fasting and you're getting some of the benefits like autophagy, ketosis, fat loss and mental clarity. However, whether or not it's aligned with your goals depends on how you fast, why you're doing it for and what are your other life conditions in that particular moment. There are many reasons to fast, and there are many ways to fast. Some may say that too many of them, but I think that everything should be taken contextually, and it should be approached with based on the particular situation. It's the same as trying to go chop wood with a butcher's cleaver or a knife. I mean, you could do it, but it's just pretty stupid and unproductive. In this episode of the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast, I'm going to talk about what's the ideal intermittent fasting window for you and your goals. I can't give you an exact template specifically tailored to you because I don't know you, but I can still give you the main principles and guidelines for structuring your fasting and eating routines. We're going to talk about the different types of fasting, what's time restricted eating, when you should eat, how to fast for fat loss, how to fast when working out, how to fast when doing shift work, how to fast on keto versus carbs, and how often to have extended fasts. So, put aside your butcher cleaver because we're not going to need it right now, and let's start to chisel some optimal fasting protocols. Do you want to know what it is? Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. You think that there isn't a lot of room for creativity or freedom when it comes to intermittent fasting. You fast for a certain period of time and just don't eat. However, there are a lot of different fasting windows out there. Here are the most common types of intermittent fasting. The 16 and 8 IF lean gains method. You fast for 16 hours and eat about 2-3 to three meals within 8 hours. It was popularized by Martin Birkin, who combined it with bodybuilding and fat loss. The warrior diet, you fast for 20 hours and eat within 4 hours, created by Ori Hofmeckler, who tried to mimic the eating patterns of Roman warriors and legionnaires. OMAD, one meal a day, that's it. <laughs> you just eat once a day, whenever it may be. 36 to 48 hour fasting, shorter extended fasts. I myself categorize them as moderate length fasts because it's just two days and everyone can do it with no worries. Extended fasts, 2-5 to five days and beyond. These are the longer fasts that most people do only every once in a while for primarily therapeutic reasons. Alternative fasting, these are the every other day fasts such as the fasting mimicking diet, 5-2 diet and I would even categorize Dr. Mercola's keto fast in here. As you can see there are many ways to fast and they can all work. What fasting routine is ideal for you depends on many things, such as your physical activity, metabolic condition, how much fat you have to lose, your lifestyle, and your personal preference. There is no single eating window that suits everyone, and it all has to be based on the individual, what they're trying to achieve, and where they're at. So, in the rest of this episode, I'm gonna help you find the ideal intermittent fasting window for you. First of all, we have to cover what's the best time to eat. Although people tend to have their meals at different times, some time gaps are still healthier and better than others. 
Time-restricted eating refers to confining your daily caloric intake within certain hours as to coincide with the circadian rhythms and light cycles of the sun. Daily intermittent fasting like OMAD or 16 and 8 should be actually categorized as time-restricted eating because that's what you're essentially doing. You're restricting your feeding time. Intermittent fasting itself is just the act of intermittently cycling between eating and not eating, which can apply to both extended fasts as well as short-term fasts. However, people have been doing intermittent fasting way before time-restricted eating became a thing, so the chronobiologists, they're just picking up on the trend and they're kind of stealing the term. Research has shown that there are no significant differences between eating slightly earlier versus later in a day, as long as calories and the hours of fasting are matched. There are studies showing that eating breakfast and skipping dinner is healthier than the standard three meals a day, but comparing two meals a day, either breakfast and lunch, or lunch and dinner, shows no difference. One study in May 2019 found that eating from 8am to 2pm versus eating from 8am to 8pm improved blood glucose control, lipid profile and autophagy genes. However, that's compared to a non-fasting group eating between 8am and 8pm. Of course, early time-restricted eating is better because it's actually going into a fasted state versus someone who is eating between the hours of 8am and 8pm is it never actually going into a fully fasted state. Furthermore, this study was done on 11 overweight individuals over the course of just 4 days. An 8-hour time-restricted eating window between 10am to 6pm has also been shown to reduce blood pressure, lower body fatness and improve cholesterol profile. Another study in April 2019, a few months earlier, found that a 9-hour eating window from 8am to 5pm versus 12 to 9pm, both of them had the same results in terms of health and body composition. So, the most important variable is eating less often and within a shorter time frame, wherein you activate autophagy and suppress insulin. You can eat whenever you like during the day, as long as you stick to a few of these guidelines. First, wait a few hours after waking up before eating. Cortisol, the stress hormone, is the highest early in the morning. Usually, people say that cortisol is bad, which is true to a certain extent. Too much cortisol throughout the day can be problematic, but that morning spike in cortisol is actually very beneficial. It increases your alertness, kickstarts the circadian rhythm, promotes fat mobilization, promotes ketosis, and sets you off for the day. You don't really want to be eating with elevated cortisol because it makes it easier to store the food as fat. Instead, it would be always better to wait at least until 10 or 11 a.m. before eating your first meal. The thing with eating immediately after waking up with cortisol is also that you're going to shut down that cortisol response to a certain extent by eating, and that may just cause more lethargy and tiredness for the rest of the day. So you shouldn't be afraid of the spike in cortisol in the morning, as long as you don't overdo it, and as long as you don't combine it with other cortisol-inducing activities like overtraining and not sleeping enough. Second point, stop eating a few hours before bed. Likewise, you don't want to be eating immediately before bed either. Having to digest food at night may cause blood sugar irregularities, digestive problems, bloating, and easier fat gain. It also interferes with deep sleep, autophagy, and growth hormone. Ideally, you should stop eating at least 4 hours before bed. 
but it also depends upon what kind of foods are you eating and how long it takes for you to digest them. If you stop eating too soon in the day, like after lunch, then that can also decrease your sleep quality because you don't have the nutrients that promote with uh, relaxation and melatonin production. So in general, you just have to test and experiment to see what kind of an eating window suits you the best and uh, where do you sleep the best at. Third, have fewer meals and no snacks. The point of intermittent fasting is to minimize the time you're eating and snacking. This will keep your insulin and blood sugar lower, which has many health and fat loss benefits. It also stabilizes your energy and productivity. So, it'd be better to not snack in between meals, and if you get hungry, just eat bigger meals. Ideally, I think that you shouldn't eat any more than two to two and a half times a day. If we were to act based on the circadian rhythms, then the optimal feeding time in humans would be between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., that gives you an 8-hour eating window that I think should be a minimum for everyone as to promote circadian alignment. When do you actually eat and how many meals you have within that time frame depends on the type of fasting routine you follow. So, let's try to look into that right now. Here are the variables that determine how long you should fast. How long to fast for fat loss? Naturally, it's better to fast for longer if you're trying to lose weight and eat more frequently when you're trying to build muscle. At the end of the day, calories do matter. It's just that some intermittent fasting windows are easier for certain goals. If you're trying to lose fat, then the best and fasted routine is probably one meal a day combined with some extended fasts. That puts you into a massive calorie deficit over the course of weeks. However, 68 and 8 is also perfectly fine, as long as you just eat fewer calories within those two meals. Some people may just get too ravenous and binge on OMAD. So, if you're having troubles getting hungry on OMAD, or you tend to lose self-control, or you get too stressed out, then do 16 and 8, or 18 and 6, or 20 and 4, whatever suits you better. The most important thing is adherence, and being able to stick to it long term. You shouldn't feel bad about fasting a bit shorter, although it still helps you to lose weight. On the flip side, if certain eating windows are making you gain weight, then you should feel slightly uncomfortable about it and definitely change. If you're trying to build muscle, then 16 and 8 is optimal, and it doesn't really differ from the standard 3 meals a day when it comes to muscle growth. A study on resistance-trained men on the same lifting routine put one group on a 12-hour eating window and the other one on the 16 and 8 method with 8 hours of eating. Both groups saw small improvements in strength and muscle growth, but the 16 and 8 group lost more body fat. However, you can still build muscle and strength with one meal a day if you're getting enough nutrition and are training smart. It's just harder and less ideal. What determines muscle growth is the balance between daily protein synthesis and protein breakdown. Basically, how much you're building and how much you're breaking down. Muscle growth and hypertrophy occur when your synthesis is higher than breakdown. You're more anabolic than catabolic. The reason bodybuilders eat six times a day is that they want to keep their body more anabolic by spiking muscle protein synthesis more frequently. There's only a certain amount of protein per meal that maximizes protein synthesis, which research says is around 20 to 40 grams of protein. 
So eating 40 grams of protein per meal versus 120 grams of protein will result in the same amount of muscle protein synthesis, although one meal has three times more protein. Here's where spreading out your protein over the course of the day and eating more meals results in more frequent protein synthesis and thus potential muscle growth. However, it doesn't tell you how much protein your body can end up absorbing from a single meal or whether or not you'll end up building muscle over the course of weeks and months. You can still spike protein synthesis 6 times a day without building muscle because of being at a severe calorie deficit, not eating enough protein or not sleeping enough. Likewise, it's still possible to build muscle spiking protein synthesis once a day if that spike stays elevated for several hours and sufficiently enough to tip the daily anabolic balance towards growth. Physical activity and training impose more stress on the body that requires recovery in the form of food, sleep and relaxation. You can still train hard and do hard physical labor during some parts of fasting without jeopardizing your gains. It's harder to maintain progress if you're already performing at a higher level and are trying to improve though. Actually, one Japanese gymnast, Kohei Uchimura, eats only one meal a day in the evening. He's a seven-time Olympic medalist with three golds and four silvers and a 21-time world medalist. Oftentimes, he's called the greatest gymnast of all time, at least in Japan. If he's able to pull it off by training two times a day, one in the morning and the second one in the afternoon, then most people can do the same, eating just one meal a day. It's just that the type of training matters as well and what's your goals. In gymnastics, it's better to maintain a lower body weight. And Kohei said he eats OMAD because he doesn't like to have food sit in his stomach during his training. For things like bodybuilding, where progress is more determined by muscle hypertrophy, you'd benefit from an additional meal somewhere to promote muscle protein synthesis. For optimal muscle growth, it's better to have some protein in your system around workouts to protect against muscle catabolism and promote hypertrophy. That's why working out fasted isn't always the best option, even if your goal is fat loss or anti-aging. That's when a pre-workout and a post-workout meal with some protein is quite useful. The truth is that you don't really need to be eating anything if you are not training, and you should try to keep your meals around your workouts. This helps you to still minimize the time spent in a fit state and allows to prolong the fast. For example, if you're working out at 2pm, then you can 1. either train fasted and have a large post-workout meal, or 2. you can break the fast at 12 with a bit of food, go train and eat another meal around 4 or 5 p.m. You don't need to have breakfast at 10 a.m., then a pre-workout meal at 12, and then another one at 6 p.m. If you want to do that, that's fine, but it's not necessary. What I do is something that I call targeted intermittent fasting or TIF. Basically, I eat one meal a day within two hours or so, I fast all the way until my workout and during my training, I have a small protein shake with about 100 calories. This protects against additional muscle catabolism from fasted training and helps me to fast as much as possible during the day while still being able to progress at the gym. It's actually been my secret weapon when it comes to building muscle on OMAD. Just strict OMAD is definitely not optimal for muscle growth and you can only potentially maybe maintain your muscle, but it's very much difficult to build new tissue from it. So that's why I use the targeted intermittent fasting approach.
and you can learn about all the details from my book Metabolic Autophagy. Anyone could do OMAD and I think no one really needs any more than two meals a day. As we saw in the case of Kohei Uchimura, even professional athletes could do it. Kohei and I eat OMAD because it's more convenient and it helps to stay more productive during the day. It's also great because that one meal a day at the end of the day will be a bit bigger and more satiating. However, if you can't stomach large meals or get too hungry, then of course you can have more frequent meals. There's not much difference when it comes to things like ketosis or general health between eating once a day or twice. If you prefer to eat a bit more frequently with a bit smaller meals, then 16 and 8 is perfectly fine. If you like a little bit larger meals and are okay with fasting longer, then the warrior diet or OMAD are exactly what you want. So how do you fast on keto versus carbs? Meal size and eating frequency matter on the type of diet you're doing as well. Every diet should include some time-restricted eating, but the length of the fasting window would depend on what you're eating. So here are some examples. First, let's talk about the ketogenic diet. If you're eating keto for medical reasons like epilepsy, diabetes, cancer or Alzheimer's and you need to maintain therapeutic ketosis, then it's better to have maybe two to three meals. Fasting for longer can help to treat those conditions. In fact, epilepsy was first found to benefit from fasting. It's just that if you're eating one meal a day and you'll get all of your protein and carbs in that one sitting, then it may knock you out of ketosis. And that can have some negative side effects in terms of your medical condition. For most people who aren't sick, that's perfectly fine. And it doesn't matter. But for someone who needs to be in therapeutic ketosis all the time, it may not be the best option. In any case, I think that 16 and 8 or even 14 and 10 is still valid for these conditions. Just stick to the hours of time shitty eating that I mentioned earlier. Second, lazy low-carb keto. Most people who are eating keto are probably not counting all their carbs and macros. For them, it doesn't matter if they do get knocked out of ketosis for a moment, because the next day they're probably back in thanks to fasting. If you're somewhat low-carb and keto, then you can do any of the eating windows that I talked about. OMAD, 20 and 4, 16 and 8, etc. Third, higher carb diets. If you're eating more carbs, then you should still fast. In fact, you'd benefit from fasting more than someone on keto because your blood sugar and insulin would be already slightly higher because of eating carbs. The problem might be that you can get hungrier more often because of not being in ketosis. You can also go more catabolic during the fasting window if you don't have ketones present in your blood. So in that case, 16 and 8 is great, but even OMAD is possible. What I would do is targeted intermittent fasting, structured around the training, and even though I'll be eating carbs. And fourth, carb backloading. To still get some of the therapeutic benefits of ketosis on a carb-heavy diet, you'd want to do something that's called carb backloading. Basically, you eat low-carb the first half of the day and then eat all your carbs in the last meal of the day after a workout. So let's say all the people, regular people who aren't doing keto, then for them, I would always recommend some form of carb backloading where instead of having a carb-heavy breakfast, they would just backload most of the carbs into the later parts of the day so they would still maintain some aspects of ketosis during the earlier parts of the day. And I think it's better than uh, nothing at all.
No matter your health status and biomarkers, you can still do some form of intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. In fact, a lot of the modern diseases can be treated with fasting. In any case, you still want to minimize the amount of meals you have a day and not snack on processed food. But I also have to remind you that this is not professional medical advice and I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you what exactly to do because there are so many different conditions out there. Okay, let's talk about fasting and shift work. One of the worst situations for circadian rhythms and metabolic health is shift work or night shift. It's working at odd hours during the night and having irregular sleeping patterns. Fasting and ketosis can help you mitigate a lot of the negative side effects of sleep deprivation and circadian mismatches. During a fasted state, you produce ketones and go into autophagy, which both provide neuroprotective effects on the brain. They basically fuel the brain, especially when it needs it, and thus prevent neuronal stress. Poor sleep, jet lag and shift work are mild forms of traumatic brain injury or TBI. It's been shown that the brain activates autophagy in response to TBI as to deal with the stress and start healing the damage. Therefore, you should always stay fasting during the actual shift and not really eat at night. Food consumption at night will offset your circadian clocks and causes additional inflammation. You'll also be more prone to storing the food as fat. I myself would still try to incorporate the same principle of time-restricted feeding when doing shift work. The difference might be that you have to shift your eating window a few hours later. If you're getting home at 4 or 6 a.m. and you sleep until noon, then you should still wait like two hours after waking up before eating. Your last meal can be a bit later than 6 p.m., but ideally keep it at the beginning of a shift and not after 8 or 9 p.m. And of course, do some form of a ketogenic diet and you can even supplement some exogenous ketones or MCT oil as to promote the production of ketones in the blood and uh, protect against the sleep deprivation. Mealtime irregularities can also happen because of social events and family get-togethers. Food is a very social thing and it's quite important in creating relationships. Most social events tend to happen either at noon or in the evening. Usually all the family members eat quite sporadically during the day and then they try to eat dinner together. That's what the vast majority of intermittent fasters also do. They skip breakfast, maybe have a small lunch and then dinner. That's what I also prefer. If you're having some sort of a business lunch or a buffet at noon, then feel free to just break the fast there. There's no strict rules to fasting other than the ones you yourself make. In fact, it's sometimes better to change things up a little bit by adding an additional meal or then skipping some. Just focus on being more flexible rather than dogmatic. Let's talk about extended fasts. How often should you have them? When it comes to extended fasts, then how often you should have them depends on the same variables that I talked about. If you're trying to lose fat faster, then going back to back through two to three day fasts is probably the fastest way of doing so. You just have to be careful not to start losing muscle or slow down your thyroid. If you are already in pristine health and are working out regularly, then you just don't need to fast that long that often. It can actually start hurting your progress and make you less healthy. However, you should still try to have a few longer fasts beyond 24 hours a few times a year. Generally, Slightly shorter but more frequent fasts are better and healthier than super long fasts less often. 
you'd be able to be more physically active and get more nutrients from your food. All in all, I try to get a 3-day fast once a quarter and a 48-hour fast once or twice a month. I don't really see a reason to be fasting any longer than 5 days for most people. The main message should be that you should do some form of intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding no matter your condition or diet. Everyone can benefit from it. So here are some key principles to remember. First, daily time-restricted feeding. Eat your food within the hours of 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. It can mean 16 and 8, the warrior diet or OMAD. Just try to fit within those hours and base your meal frequency on your preference. Two, don't eat at night. You shouldn't be eating at night or too close to bed, even if you're doing shift work and especially if you're not. Third, eat around your workouts. Ideally, you want to structure your meals around your physical activity. This ensures your food is used for performance and at other times you're benefiting from fasting. 4. Have more protein when trying to build muscle. Fasted training is by nature more catabolic, which will inhibit muscle growth. If you're trying to build strength or hypertrophy, then you should have an additional meal for protein synthesis, whether that be with 16 and 8 or what I called targeted intermittent fasting. 5. Have longer fasts when you're trying to lose weight. If you're trying to lose some fat, then having a few additional extended fasts will speed up the process. Just make sure you're not going to refeed. Number six, eat what's best for you. You should also pay attention to the signals your body is giving you. If you're not progressing and are actually getting less healthy, then change what you're doing. The most important part is to maintain some sort of consistency and routine. Fasting works because it's easy and it also puts things on autopilot. Your body adapts to eating the same way it adapts to everything else. That's why you should stay consistent with what you're doing and then adapt as needed. So on that note, I'm also going to end this episode. And if you want to know how to fully optimize meal timing, time-restricted feeding, fasting and training, then check out my book Metabolic Autophagy. You can actually get a free copy of it if you head over to the website seamland.co forward slash metabolic dash autophagy dash free dash book. And you can also find the link in the show notes of this podcast. And you just have to pay for the shipping and handling of the book. So other than that, it's free. All right, thanks for listening. My name is Seam. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind.